about someone having the authority or the insight to give us the best answer to that question. Uh, we could do a, a man on the street interview. We could uh, talk to people who consider themselves theologians. We could get to those people who are paid to be religious, or we could talk to people who regularly go to church. But if really we're going to get the right answer, we might want to talk to the person who we're talking about, which is Jesus. And Jesus did not leave us in the dark about who he is. And I put that in the present tense, though hopefully uh, this past um, s month you've been looking at that verse that we've challenged you to, to memorize. Uh, is found in the book of Revelation, which is, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. But Jesus made a number of statements where he said, I, I, I am. And, and this morning, unlike what we've uh, endured as we've gone through the series of uh, 2011, in which we've examined every single book in the, in the New Testament, and, and last week we looked at the book of Revelation one Sunday, and we rather race through a, a rather complicated book. Uh, believe it or not, this morning I'm going to talk on, on one verse. And where I'm often tempted to speak rather rapidly, today I, I can slow down, not because there isn't a lot to say, but, but I, I want to really zero in on, on the simple point that God wants us to wrestle with and to be encouraged by and be challenged by. And, and it really relates again with that question, who is this Jesus? Now, I will throw in a few verses in for free this morning, but, but we're going to look at one and try to make sure we understand it. If you have your outlines this morning, I'll help you kind of follow along. And I'm going, to, I'm going to do two things as we begin. I'm going to talk about what I'm not going to preach on, and then I'm going to tell you what I am going to preach on. Uh, what I'm not going to preach on, but I do want you to, to remember, is, is where we've been with the Advent candle. We don't use those symbols simply as, uh, again, an object lesson or something colorful you can place in a place like this, a sanctuary or worship center. But it's another way to remind us again, what is this light all about? And this season, what we did, we, we focused on the answers of Jesus to the question, who is this Jesus? And if you'll, if you'll remember, Jesus really asked that of his disciples as well and the people around him, but who do people say that I am? And they came up with all kinds of responses. Well, you are a prophet, you're a teacher, you're a religious leader, you're Elijah, whatever it might be, you're Jeremiah. Uh, and then Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But Jesus also answered the question for himself. And particularly in the Gospel of John, there, there are seven I am statements. And by the time we finish Christmas season, we'll look at each one of them. We've already seen four. First of all, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And on that first Sunday of Advent season, we focus on, on Jesus making that statement. And ho hopefully you understand the, the simple, powerful meaning behind Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And when he said that, it shocked his audience. They had just come for a free meal. The feeding of the 5,000, which is probably 20,000, when you count, count all the children and women that were there, as well as the men. And they wanted their physical hunger to be satisfied. And he says, I've got something so much greater. And that's the spiritual satisfaction that will last not only here but forever. I am the bread of life. You'll never grow hungry again if you take what I offer you. Jesus in a similar said, I'm also the, the living water. If you'll drink of me, you'll never thirst again. Is that your experience where you've tasted of the Lord and found that he is good and that you know him in a personal, deep way? 
Jesus said, who is this Jesus? I, I'm the bread of life. I'm the one who fully satisfies. And, and then we looked at I, I'm the door or the sheep. And, and that's one of the I am statements we normally don't look at a whole lot because we, we don't think about sheep going through a door. But that's where the shepherd would lay down and, and also where he would be the place where he would mark those who would get in and who would not get in. And, and as you look at your entrance into a place beyond this place we experience now. There's, there's only one door. Most of us have uh, homes or places where there are a, a variety of entry places. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep and the sheepfold. And, and then we looked on the third Sunday of Advent season, and, and we, we looked at, I am the resurrection and the life. And there's... Certain statements when, in when Jesus self-identified himself, he, he put it in a variety of different ways. And we saw it with this statement last week in the statement that John and Pam talked about today about the life, but the resurrection. And many times when we think about believing, do we believe just because it's wishful thinking, I want it to be true, or is there something to it? I was reading this past week, and there's all kinds of articles about things people are doing during Christmas season, and uh, I think it's in Santa Monica, there's a park there, and uh, normally churchy-type people put up all kinds of advents and statements about the Christ of Christmas, but there were some people who came in and said, why do they get all the opportunity to put things up? So there was an atheist pr- uh, group that came up, and out of the 24 sites, they got 14 or 15 of them. And one of the statements that they, they wrote, it was a, a quote from Thomas Jefferson. Let me see if I can pull it out. And on a big sign it said, Religions are all alike, founded on fables and mythology. Now, let's just be honest. Even in Jesus' day, there were people who doubted him. I mean, this is nothing new. This doesn't shock Jesus that people think it's all myth and a great historical hoax. So Jesus wanted to make sure that we understood when he said, I'm the resurrection, the life, it's not just some religious fanatic saying that. He went to the grave of one of his friends, Lazarus, and said, come forth, and out of this tomb came a person that had died. I I, I dare say on that day, no one who saw that doubted that he had the power to raise people from the dead because they saw it. And every time we see a person's life changed and a person who, who... was far away from God, knowing God in it, making a difference. We, we see the resurrection power of God. The ability to change lives. Who is this Jesus? He is, he is the bread of life. He's the door of the sheep. He's the resurrection of life. And as we heard today, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And as John kind of emphasized, you know, he's going a certain direction in his life and then found out that there was really only one direction he should go and only one source of person who would guide his steps. Well, that's this morning what I'm not going to preach on. So that was just an introduction. That doesn't count, all right? But we want to understand that as we think about who is this Jesus, it's not just getting other people's public opinion. This is what Jesus said about himself. Either, either he's the madman or he's the Messiah, the one who was promised. But this morning what we want to do is we want to touch for a few moments on another statement. And that is, Jesus is the true vine. In John 15, 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. 
And, and so what Jesus does, he gives us an analogy, he gives us a word picture. And, and many times as we think about uh, understanding truth, it, it's helpful sometimes if we can read about it, sometimes it's helpful if we can have someone demonstrate it in front of us, sometimes it's good to have a picture that we can look at and analyze. And, and Jesus used all those mediums by way of trying to communicate truth. And so as, as they were struggling with getting this all together, uh, Jesus pulled out another word picture for them. I, I want you to know, I'm, I'm the, the vine, the true vine. If you have your Bibles, uh, even though we're going to focus on one verse, I, I want to read the section there. So turn your Bibles to John 15, and I'll just read verses 1 through 5, though the whole section there is so powerful. Uh, but then we'll get back to trying to to leave this morning with understanding, what does it mean when Jesus says, I'm the true vine? John 15, we have the words recorded of Jesus. I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself uh, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do... What's the next word there? Nothing. So it sounds like this is pretty important. If, if Jesus is the true vine, if we don't really connect to that well and understand what it means and then put it in practice in our lives, then in terms of things that really matter, things that really connect with God, we're hopeless. <laughs> we, we can't do it. Our, all our effort, all our strengths, all, all things we try to put in, it will result in nothing. I, I remember when I was in grade school, uh, the, the teacher liked to put a... a a math problem on the board for the, for the day or... Either for the day or for the week. And, and if you could figure out the math problem, then you, you got a prize. And usually there was, there was a lot of different parts to the math problem. And, and I remember one time there was... The math problem was put up and it was fairly complicated. But at the very end, it said time zero. And so you could go through all the efforts of trying to figure out the first complication, the first parts of the, the math problem, but it really didn't matter because at the end, all your work would result in what? Zero or nothing. And that's sometimes what happens with us spiritually when we think that God's impressed with our efforts or maybe our training or experiences or who we know and who we make sure we don't know. But he, he wants you to know what he's impressed with is, are you connected to him? Jesus had just had opportunity to spend time in a close relationship with his disciples. In John 13, you have, you have Jesus having the Last Supper. And he's talking to them about what's going to happen, that he's, he's going to die. But that's going to be a good thing because their hope for eternity will be settled on that. But as he's explaining that, he's well aware of what's going to happen. One of the twelve is going to betray him and depart. 
And so he's speaking to an audience that's mixed. Those who truly believe and those who, who don't truly believe. Now, in this particular case, it wasn't about people who were familiar but unfamiliar. People who, who knew but some people who didn't know. They, they all knew. But particularly in that case, one would choose not to put what he knew into his heart. And from the surface, before the betrayal happened, if, if people were to rate the, the 12 followers of Jesus... It's quite possible Judas would have been pretty high on the list. Uh, and, and the reason, because he was entrusted with the money. You know, show me the money, you know, or follow the money trail. Uh, this is as important to make sure the finances are right. And, and the teacher gave him the opportunity to have the purse strings. He might not have been in the inner three, but he might have been in the number four. And, and yet, he wasn't attached the vine. And so Jesus, and just as recorded by John, a couple chapters later, begins to give them an analogy to challenge them not only for their own life, but even more so those who would follow that this really matters, knowing who I am and how, how it ought to impact your life. I am the true vine. And again, just to make simple observation, that's in contrast to being the false vine. Have you ever planted something and, and had great hopes that it was going to produce fruit, that was going to make something happen, and then after years of watering it and fertilizing it and cultivating, nothing happens? Something was wrong with it. It, will, it, it, it could not produce fruit because it wasn't a true vine. Somehow it was a false vine. And, of course, that's not a mystery. There, there are a lot of people who, who believe all kinds of things. People are religious by nature. But we can have great faith in that which is false, and it's not going to produce any fruit. It won't result in a true relationship with God because what, our, what we're putting our trust in, our reliance on, is, is not reality. It's not truth. You know, some people trust in and living a little bit more moral life than somebody else. Maybe doing a few more religious exercises, praying more, maybe reading the Bible more, going to places like this at church, or, or sincerity, good works, whatever it might be. And those are all admirable. But Jesus wanted to emphasize in this, this last analogy, I, I want you to understand, I am what, what you need to be connected to. I am that which is true and brings life. He uses a word to describe the relationship with someone who's connected to the vine. He says, Abide in me, verse 4, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me, in the true vine, neither can it unless you abide in me. Now, the word abide is kind of an interesting word. I mean, we don't normally talk about that. I can't remember the last time outside of a place like this I've ever used the word abide. We all abide with me this week, you know. We don't, we don't talk about abide in that way. It, it's a very simple word in the original language. The word minnow, which doesn't mean a fish, but it simply means to, to connect to, rely upon, attach to, continue in relationship with, 
to not be separate from, to hang in there, hang on. And he's saying, if you really understand about what I and I alone can give you, you'll never want to be away from me. Doesn't mean you won't struggle. Doesn't mean you won't be hanging on with your fingertips at times, but you'll never want to be severed from me. Because if you're severed, there's no, there's no opportunity for what I can give to you that produces life will happen. As I said to you, Jesus is really speaking to two, two audiences here in terms of the, the analogy of Jesus being the true vine, that which gives life. And let me just simply say, he is not that which is false, he is that which is true, he is a vine, he is that which can bring life. But then he, then he speaks about the application. He's the one who gives life, and that's why I said earlier, the, the idea of life is throughout the I am statements of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine, which means I am the true life, that life-producing source. And, and what he says, what's important on your end is, is that you need to remain in connection, in relationship to that which produces life. And then he, then he makes it very practical to, to kind of figure out, well, am I doing that or not? And he said, you can understand that by just simply saying, well, what happens to, to that which vines produce, which are branches? And do those branches become true branches or false branches? He says that, that the father is the vine dresser. In other words... In relationship to God the Father and God the Son, they're, they're working together, and as, as Jesus is producing life in people, the Father goes down and, and makes uh, some course directions in the people who are attaching, uh, or apparently attaching to the vine, and, and declaring openly what's, what's happening. A, a good vine dresser or a good gardener, if he's producing a plant that's supposed to produce to its greatest extent, will look at the branches within the vine and he'll take out that which is worthless and then he'll prune that which is good so it'll produce more fruit or more flowers. Now, I'm not a gardener or a son of a gardener. I'm a brother of a gardener, but not the son of a gardener. My, my brother loves plants. I mean, he just loves working with them, digging in it, getting dirty and sweaty and making everything look nice and I just like looking at them, all right? I don't want to work on them. I just want to look at them, all right? But I've done a few things around the house, and I, and I used to have rose bushes, but then I, then I figured out there's, there's too much work to work with rose bushes. I'll look at somebody else's rose bushes. But what happens every year, you've you got to prune the rose bushes. But there, there are two types of things you're, you're, you're dealing with, the branches that come out of the rose bush. You're dealing that which is dead and that which is alive. Now, knowing that I'm not much of a of a communicator, I thought I'd give you an object lesson, all right? I went out, and I went to a couple of our rose, uh, a rose bush in, our, in one of our gardens here at the church. Now, I know we're a very bright group here. So let me ask you, there, there, there are two types of branches I took off this morning. This one on my left hand, and this one on my right hand. Now, what kind of a branch do we have over here? A dead branch. And when I took this branch off that rose bush, it actually helped it by taking about that off of that, that rose which, that, which is absolutely dead because this was useless. In fact, there's really only one thing to do with a branch like this is what? Throw it away. 
Who wants to catch some thorns? No. Because right. yeah, there's, 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 no, there's no good fruit in it. There's nothing this can produce. And so you take off a branch because there's no life within it. Now, this branch is no longer connected to the vine, so it's not getting life. But what was it producing? It was producing growth. There's, there's a beautiful flower that left in here. It would have budded. And, and uh, you, we could do right now, we could put it in a vase and with water in it, and it would flower out, and it would be something beautiful to look at. And, and as you look at this, you're thinking, well, well then why did you cut it? Because if it would remain there, it would have gotten bigger. And it would... But sometimes with roses, what you've got to do to get more flowers, you've got to cut off the flowers you've got. Because God wants to do something more on that branch connected to that rose bush. And so as we think about Jesus being the true vine, the, the clear message for us is kind of a self-examination one. But what kind of a branch am I? Every one of us here is, is interested enough to be here. And the good news is that God wants you to be a, a true branch, but maybe right now you're a false branch. You really don't have the life of Jesus Christ oozing out into your experience. You haven't become a, a new person in Christ. And, and God says simply to come to me. Don't, don't be deceived by just simply going through the motions. Because I don't want at the very end to have to take off that branch which has no life and simply throw it away. And, and then, if you know the Lord this morning, I, I want you to understand that the adventure of walking with God is, is a journey that continues every day. And, and God never wants us to get to the point where we, somehow we, we feel we've arrived and there's nothing more He wants to do in us and through us and for us. And there's a constant part where God is pruning. And he speaks about that in John 15, where he's taking off some things that maybe apparently look good for you, but you know, I'm cutting those away because there's something I want to teach you. I want you to trust me more. I want you to change your priorities and go down this direction in serving me and honoring me. And the only way for that to happen is I need to prune some things that are distracting you from what I have for you in the future. When I used to have rose bushes, it, around, right around January or February, I'd always ask my brother or my parents, you know, am I supposed to prune those now? Yeah, go hack them. And I'd hack away, and normally like they'd come back and say, you didn't do enough hacking. I took away the dead ones. Those were pretty easy for me to figure out. Okay, that one's dead. Uh, you know, I, I clip it, and there's no... There's no juice flowing out, sap flowing out. It was just dead. But it was the ones that still had life. I said, well, I, don't, I mean, there's still a flower there. I can see some life. And said, no, if you don't cut it now, it will not grow what it could be. And so as we look at this Christmas season, identifying who Jesus is, it's, a, it's an opportunity to share the good news with those who don't know it, but it's also an opportunity for each of us to say, God, what is it you want to do in my life as I as I finish out 2011 and look to 2012, is there some pruning he wants to do? Some priorities that need to change. Some new habits that need to be developed. Some connections that need to be made. The reason we focus on oikos and worship and life groups is because we think that's the lifeblood of the church. 
We have a mission in Oikos. We gather together for worship to honor Him. We, we do life together in life groups so that, that we can be encouraged and supported and challenged to live out our faith. And God has left us here to honor Him by, by helping more people become fully devoted to parts of the vine, followers of Jesus Christ. But it all, all begins with understanding that we've got to be connected to Him. If we're not abiding in Him, we can do how much? Nothing. I want to close just a couple comments. You know, it's interesting as, as, as I was reading about the variety of experiences people have already had with Christmas. Is that one of the one of the things that happens during this season is not only people offering up ways to express love and, and encourage people during this period of time, but there are a lot of scams going out there. You know, there's the 12 days of Christmas. I was reading an article about the 12 scams of Christmas. And I'm not going to go through all of it, but it was interesting. This is how they put it. There, there are people who are false holiday helpers. There are people who are false charities that are offering you to help others by giving to them. There are people who are trying to sell counterfeit merchandise. There are people who are promising to deliver, but once you make your purchase, it never arrives. There are even cyber deals that really are great hoaxes. Now, as tragic as that is, in fact, I've got one that I'm still wondering, was it a hoax or not, that I purchased about a month ago. There is a greater hoax. And that's putting our trust in the event of Christmas and not the person of Christmas. It's being so focused about what am I going to do this Christmas, but who am I going to, rather than who am I going to celebrate this Christmas? Who, who is this Jesus? He's the bread of life, He's the door, He's the resurrection. He's the way, and he's the true vine. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And so what, this morning, I'm always struck by part of the Christmas story that speaks about Mary's response to all of this. And it was after they came in saying, this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mean, this is the, 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 one, the Messiah, the Son of David. And all the things that the angels had told the the shepherds. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 18 and 19, it says this, And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So this morning, what I'd like you to do as we continue to worship Him, to ponder the truth of who is this Jesus in your heart as we continue to worship Him. Let's pray. Father, we, we do pray for each one here. Might we recognize the gospel is simple, but sometimes we're too familiar with it. But it's all about admitting our need and turning from our sin. Believing that Jesus Christ fully paid the penalty for our sins and rose again. And then committing to follow Him as our Lord, God, and Savior. It's simply expressed to you plainly and even our own words. Jesus, I need you. I want to know you. 
forgive my sins, and I want to follow you. And even after we've made that commitment, then it's a, it's a daily experience saying, God, I want you to be who you are in my life. And today, as we focus on Jesus being the true vine, might I recognize that if I don't remain connected to you faithfully, then I'll never be what you want me to be. Help us to connect, abide, remain in you, because you truly are the vine, the true vine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.